Let's pray. God, thank you for this day, for a chance to remember what Jesus means to us, who Jesus is fully, Lord. We ask that you would just open our minds and instruct us this day. Really help us to, to just draw closer to you. We just thank you and we give you praise. In the name of Christ, amen. When I came here almost a year ago, May 1st will be a year, that's exciting. When I came here almost a year ago, one of my goals was to learn everyone's name. And so I think you saw that I really tried hard to learn your name. I think within about three or four weeks, I knew everyone's name. And the way that I did that was whenever I would meet someone, I'd say, hi, Victor, how are you doing? And then I would go and I'd write down Victor's name on my prayer list. And then every time I prayed for Victor, I would think about, okay, this is what Victor looks like, this is Victor's name. And I would put, you know, a face with a name so that when I saw Victor again, I would know his name. Now, I know a couple of times I was staying at the door and I called you by the wrong name the first time, right? You're like, that's not my name. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I really tried hard to learn your name. But within a short amount of time, I think I learned your name. Why did I do that? Because it's on. I think I have it on. Oh, there it is. Our name is important, right? Our name is important. Our name identifies us. Our name is very personal to us. If someone constantly calls you by the wrong name, that gets really bothersome. That gets hurtful. Like, you know, you, you don't care about me enough to, to learn my name. You keep calling me by the wrong name. Our name is important. My name is Christopher Scott Logan. It was a name given to me by my parents, a name that is very personal to me. But on top of our name being important, we are more than just our name, right? We are more than just our name. I am a son, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a minister. And even more than that, how we act, how we talk, how we relate to other people, that determines who we are as well. I mention all this because as we come to this morning, we talk about Jesus we talk about Jesus coming into Jerusalem. His name is important, but not everyone knows his name. Some people know his name, but others don't know his name. They, they don't know who he is, but they will learn about him as he comes in to Jerusalem. And so this morning, I'm excited to... Um, this isn't work, working very well. Okay, I guess... Okay, we'll go there. Um, I'm excited to share with you on this Palm Sunday the name of Jesus and try to get an understanding of what this passage tells us about the name of Jesus. I'm going to talk about three things that this passage talks about, that Jesus is a prophet, Jesus is the Messiah, and Jesus is the King. First, we see that Jesus is a prophet. And I think we're having problems with our... That's too bad, huh? There's Palm Sunday. And after that, we want... There! Jesus was a prophet. First, Jesus was a prophet. Now, this is important because a prophet was one who received inspired words from God, knew the truth of God, the very depths of the truth of God, and he shared that truth with the people. It was a message that was given to the people so that they could be understanding all of God's truth. They could know how they were supposed to live for God. They could know who God is. The prophet was 
called, calling them to change their ways, to walk rightly with God, and to know God deeply. A prophet never guessed. A prophet never guessed because he knew that the words he received were from God, and so that they were true. A prophet was always 100% accurate. If you were a true prophet of God, you would never be wrong because the truth that came from God came to you and you told the people and whatever God said would come true. And so a prophet, a true prophet of God, was always 100% correct. And so as God in the flesh, Jesus, in the first part of his ministry, often played the role of a prophet. He knew the mind of God. He knew God's truth. He was able to know that Judas was going to portray him. He knew that people were going to turn from him. He knew that he was going to the cross to die. And he knew something else on this day. Matthew 21, 1-5. Richard read it for us, but let's read it again. Whenever you see the yellow, please read with me. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her. So he knew, right? He knew the exact donkey that was supposed to be saved for him. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Jesus knew that there was a particular donkey that was reserved, set aside for this particular day, for this moment, for Jesus to ride into Jerusalem. Jesus quotes from the prophet Isaiah and is speaking the word of truth to his disciples. This prophecy that he is the one that is coming to ride on the donkey that was prophesied many, many years before him. So, Jesus is also seen as a prophet by the people. The Jewish people knew that the Messiah would come as a prophet. This was testified in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy 18.18, 18, it says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. These words are spoken of Jesus would come as the Messiah and would be seen by the people being a prophet. And then we see in Matthew 21, 11, and the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. They believed Jesus to be this prophet who was the Messiah. See, this concept of prophet, Jesus being prophet, is very significant. This verse from Deuteronomy 18 was spoken by Moses, probably one of the most powerful and well-known people of the Jewish history. And at least on two occasions, he predicted the Messiah would be a special prophet to arise in the future. This was one of them. The other was in Deuteronomy 18.15, where it says, The Lord your God will raise up unto you a prophet from the midst of you, of your brethren, like unto me. Unto him shall you hear. Right? Jesus was just living among them for a lot of years, and then all of a sudden when he was 30, he took his step forward, began his ministry, and all of a sudden this prophet arises from among them, right? It was Jesus. Now, it's very important that um, we understand that Jesus is a prophet. 
because that's one of the roles that he played. There's three roles um, that are important, and those are the roles I'm talking about today. Prophet, Messiah, and King. And so probably the most meaningful one was when Jesus took his three disciples up onto the mountain. We call it uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Because Jesus was standing in front of his disciples, and right in front of his disciples, they saw the full glory of God upon Jesus, and they were amazed at what they saw in Jesus. They really saw Jesus not just as a human. They really, at that moment, saw that he was truly God in the flesh. It was a significant moment for them to see this. So up to this point in Jesus' life, he had been doing that of a prophet. He had spoken the truth of God to the people. He had talked about their sin, how they were misguided and how they were living. He talked about how they needed a Savior and how he was the Savior come to save them from their sins. And so up to this point in his ministry, he was playing a significant role as a prophet of God. And as Jesus comes into Jerusalem, it is important that we understand they were seeing him as a prophet from God. But secondly, we have him as Messiah. You know, there's some subjects that, for each of us, we have a little difficulty with, right? Some are really super easy, right? Math was always pretty easy for me. One of those things I don't know too much about is the stars, the galaxies, the solar systems. I mean, they're very complex. And when people start, my uncle is really, really knowledgeable about these things. And when he starts to talk about that stuff, I just get lost. Have you ever had a subject like that? Someone talks about something and it's just all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's just like your eyes glaze over and you pretend like you're trying to listen and look at them. But in, in your head, you're like, wow, I do not understand one thing you're saying and I really don't care, you know? <laughs> you don't say that out loud, right? But that's probably what you're thinking, Right. Well, sometimes it's because we really haven't taken the time to understand it, right? I, I can admit to you, I haven't taken the time to understand the stars and the galaxies. So, so when they talk about it, I don't really understand. A big reason is because I haven't really looked at it. I haven't studied it. I haven't learned that much about it. Well, I think this is true for many that were in the crowd. There are many in the crowd who are coming to see Jesus they were hearing about this fantastic, fantastic event that was going to happen, right? And there's this large crowd, and, and they're probably like, you, you know, we're handed out a palm branch today, right? They're probably just handing out palm branches, and next thing you know, they have a palm branch, and everybody's waving it. So they're like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to wave my palm branch, right? They were there, they were doing the thing, and they were watching Jesus, but they didn't understand who he was. They didn't know who Jesus was. We read in verse 10 of Matthew 21, And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? The whole city was stirred up, and they were like, Who is this, right? They were confused. Jesus, they thought they knew who Jesus was, but now all of a sudden he's riding on a donkey, right? When you ride in a donkey, that's a sign of royalty, okay? You're coming in, and it's like, okay. This is confusing me. I mean, we're shouting out, we're excited about Jesus, it seems like a special day, but... But who is this? What is he doing? What is going on? You see, they didn't understand that Jesus was the Messiah. They didn't really understand the importance of that. They didn't really understand what that meant for them, why they really needed Jesus as Messiah. There's a story of uh, this thief. He was robbing a liquor store. And in the back of the liquor store, there was a, an employee. His name was Curtis. Curtis. 
And Curtis, as he was coming out, he, he saw through the window that the thief was, was, uh, had a BB gun. And so he thought, well, that's not that dangerous of a weapon, so I'm going to be a hero, right? And so he bursts out from the back of the room and he tackles the, the, the thief, right? And they roll around the ground and the gun goes flying and the thief goes running and Curtis starts running after him. And the thief gets in his car and Curtis gets in his car. And they start driving down the street, and he's wrestling with the thief. Not exactly the best plan, I don't think, but they're wrestling in the car, right? And because they're wrestling in the car, the car topples over and spins a couple of times, and Curtis ends up on top of the thief. And then at that moment, the thief looks at Curtis, and he says, Oh, thank you. I wanted to get caught. <laughs> and Curtis just looked at him like, What just happened? Well, he found out later that this thief had been hooked on drugs and he tried to get off every way he thought he could. And so he was crying out for help. He wanted help and he couldn't think of any other way. And so he did this desperate act and he was hoping that he would get caught. So in some way he would get more help that he didn't think he could get any other way. You know, the truth is we all need help. We all need help to overcome our sinful ways. We all need help to be saved and to be given eternal life. We all need help. And we have to admit that we need that help because we, don't really, we won't really know Jesus as Messiah. We won't really know Jesus as Savior until we say to Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I need your help. See, the word Messiah means anointed. It is one who is set apart. One who is set apart to redeem the people from their sins. To be redeemed means that you are purchased from slavery. We are purchased from the slavery of sin. And once that sin is purchased on our behalf, we are free from the effects of that sin in our life. The help we receive from Jesus is that our freedom from slavery is won by the work of Jesus Christ done on the cross on your behalf and on mine. And when we give our lives over to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I need your help, then we begin to understand a little more what it means for him to be the Messiah, to be our Savior. Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, this verse talks about Jesus being a king, which we'll talk about in a moment, but it also talks about Jesus in his role as Messiah. That phrase that is highlighted, righteous and having salvation is he. He comes righteous. He is perfect, right? God in the flesh. And he brings salvation to you and to me, to those who receive it, in his name. And yet so many people did not know who he was, right? They were asking the question, who is he? They didn't understand what it meant for him to be Messiah. They didn't understand what it meant for them to receive him as Savior. But then there's a third role that Jesus plays, and that is that he was a king. We see in verse 9 that people are shouting and they're waving the palm branches and we see that he is, we are told in the scriptures that he is the son of David, which means that they're talking about King David, right? And because David is a king as the son of a king, Jesus would be a king as well. 
And as king, he would be king of the Jews. He would be the commander-in-chief of the army. He'd be the supreme judge and the master of all. And he was God's anointed, which all kings, before they were moved into the role of king, they were anointed in the name of God. And Jesus was there to carry out God's will. For the people, for Jesus to be king, they thought that he was to be a conqueror. They wanted him to be a conqueror. They had been oppressed by the the Romans, and they believed that Jesus now as king would come in, and he, he would free them from this oppression, and that they would rise up, and they would be national power. They would be their, have their own national status. That's what they hoped for Jesus. That way they thought of Jesus. Jesus was a king. He was going to come in and he was going to rescue us from this oppression we have suffered for so long. But this was all misunderstood. Jesus was not a conqueror in the sense of physical conquering. He was a conqueror of sin so that we could be victorious over our sin and have eternal life. He came in peace. A king who was riding on a donkey was a sign of peace. If a king rode in a donkey, that meant he was coming in peace, not in war. And so when Jesus rode in on the donkey, he was coming in peace. When he was put on trial, this whole idea of him being king or being a king was misunderstood. In John 19, 21, the chief priests were accusing Jesus of being the king of the Jews. And Pilate was questioning him on this because if he lifted himself up as a king in competition with Caesar, then he could be put to death for that. And so the chief priest wanted wanted Pilate to find him guilty of that so they would put him to death and they would be rid of Jesus. They were using Jesus' own words of being a king against him, his own actions of appearing as a king against him. And so we read in John 18, 33 to 36, So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say that on your own accord, or do others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. King, not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. See, Jesus was not about being a conqueror. Jesus was a king and that he was God. God in the flesh, ruler over all, come to lead his people out of their sin. Jesus was not about conquering. He was about peace. For Jesus is about love and truth and peace. Jesus was Lord, but in a spiritual sense, not in a physical, earthly sense. We see this stated in Isaiah 9. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now we usually hear this text at Christmas time because it talks of a a child is born, right? 
But this is also a very important passage talking about Jesus being king. Many um, phrases in this text talk about him being a king, a king of peace, a king of the heavenly realm. Let me read a few of them for you. He's called the Prince of Peace. Talks about the increase of his government. There will be no end to peace. It says he will reign on David's throne over his kingdom. And so we talk about Jesus being a king, but he is a king of peace. That is a message I want to get across to you. He is a king of peace, not a king of war. He's a king in the heavenly realm, not in the earthly realm, as they wanted. And because of this, he is a king like no other. He is not a king who tries to gain power and control others in his ways. He is not a king that fights, but brings love and peace and desires for us to live in love and peace with others. He is not a king for his own selfish purpose, but selflessly gives himself up for others. And so it is this Jesus, who is the king riding into Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday, to whom the people are giving shouts, Hosanna, Hosanna. See, even though Jesus is a prophet, speaking the truth of God, and a Messiah who redeems us, and a king who is to rule over us and guide our ways, he is also the answer to life's greatest questions. You may find yourselves in situations where you say, you know, I'm not feeling it. I'm not really feeling it from Jesus. And I think that when you get to the place in your life, it's because you haven't really understood the fullness of who Jesus is. If you understand Jesus as a prophet and Messiah and king, you begin to understand the different roles he needs to play in your life. Speaking the truth of God into your life, giving you salvation from your sin, being the ruler of your life. Have you really given your life over to God in all of those aspects? Are you really receiving from Jesus all that he has for you to receive? I hope that this sermon has helped you to understand this a little more, that as you picture Jesus riding into Jerusalem, you will say, I want him to be the Lord of my life. I want him to give me the truth into my life so that I can live in the right way. I want to have him free me from my burdens and release me from my sinful ways and the effects that the sin has on me. I hope he is the Lord of your life. If Jesus is not the Lord of your life, if he's not your Savior, then I would love to talk to you about that because I think that is the most important decision you could ever make in your life. Saying all this, I want to close with one last story. About 25 years ago, I became the high school director at Bel Air Presbyterian Church. And if you know anything about Bel Air Presbyterian Church, you know it's a pretty prestigious church. And so it was a great accomplishment for me, a great opportunity for me. In fact, in fact a minister friend of mine said, it's a feather in your cap that you received that, that call. And so... You know, when you come into a new call, right, there's excitement. I was excited, the high schoolers are excited, the staff was excited, and everything was going along pretty well for the first couple months. But then we started to have little problems. And what was going on is the kids were not fully relating to me as their youth director. And I found out later the reason why. The, the, direct, the youth director that I 
followed was someone who was very wild and crazy. I mean, he's, he was so, he's like complete opposite of my personality, right? I mean, he would do things like, I don't know if you know the Indiana Jones movie, but he had a friend of his, he tied a rope to a truck, got on a piece of cardboard, and in front of the whole youth group, he had his friend drag him around on this dirt field, right? And the kids were going crazy over this. Now, that's something I would never do. <laughs> I don't know. I think I just have too much up here to do that. I don't know. But anyway, he, one time he, it was a fairly large bathroom, but he stuffed all of the youth in the bathroom, and they watched a movie in the bathroom. Again, I would never do that. I don't know why you would want to do that. But they thought that was great, right? The youth just thought, oh, wow, he's so wild, he's crazy, we love it. And here I come in, you know, I'm more down to earth, I'm more relational, let's do small groups, let's talk, right? I mean, we did fun things too, but I mean, that was more my personality, and there wasn't a connection going on there. So these kids, well-to-do kids, did what they thought they were supposed to do, you know, they, what they were used to do, what their parents do, right? They went to the social pastor and they complained about me, right? Instead of having a conversation with me about it, they went above my head, right? So the social pastor calls me in one day and he says, tell me what's going on in the ministry. I hear there's problems. And I'm like, well, I don't think there's problems. And so we start to talk about it and I explain to him the ministry and what I'm doing. He's like, well, that sounds like you're doing good ministry. He says, but there's a disconnect somewhere. So he says, come with me. And so we get in his car and we drive to a couple stores and he buys me some clothes and he buys me some shoes. And then he says, on this next Wednesday, we met on Wednesday nights, we're going to challenge the kids. We usually have like 30 or 40 kids coming. He says, if they get over 50 kids, we'll let them shave your beard off in the youth group. I had a beard back then. And so I'm like, okay, we'll do that. So come Wednesday night, they had over 50 kids right there in youth group. They shaved off my beard. They thought that was the greatest thing. And it was, you know, went over really well. But a couple of days went by and I started thinking about that. And I thought, you know, what the social pastor did is wrong. He's trying to change who I am. He is trying to make me someone that I was not so that the kids would like me, so that the kids would accept me. And as I began to think about this, it was very hurtful on a deep level. It's like, if, if they don't want me, that's fine. You know, we, we can move on. But don't try to change who I am at the core of who I am. That's not right. And so shortly after that, I resigned. It was interesting, on the last day that I was there, they had this notebook that was going around, and the kids were signing things and writing comments. And when I read it later, there was a couple of kids who I had some problems with who had went to the social pastor. And they reflected on it. They said, you know, you really touched my life. You really helped me deepen my relationship with Jesus. Thank you. I'm going to miss you. But what went from excitement in the beginning went to heartache at the end. And I tell you that story because that's what happened to Jesus on a much deeper level. On Palm Sunday, we're rejoicing, we're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. But on Friday, what is going on? Many of these same people are yelling, crucify him, crucify him. Can you imagine that? Hosanna, Hosanna, crucify him, crucify him. What went from excitement on Palm Sunday went to great heartache on Good Friday. And so as we go through this week, this Holy Week, I pray that you would just really reflect upon Jesus, who he is, prophet, Messiah, king. Who is he in your life? What is your commitment to him? Do you just love him for what he can do for you? Or do you love him 
because who he really is and the difference in your life because he is your prophet, king, and messiah. Let us pray.